0: Canada. Today's date is December 21st, 2021. Welcome to the full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's issues in less than an hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And
1: Lewis out here in BC. Surprise!
0: Yes, on the show today. Why the hell is Lewis on this show? Canadian cities to challenge Bill 21. Mandate letters, and nothing more. Lewis, why the hell are you on the show today?
1: Well, I'm not going to take that as an offense. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what happened. So, we, after struggling with this stupid Arrive Can app for a day and a half, before we were able to finally upload our vaccine passports and all that kind of bs because yes the app really is that painful to deal with um we got it all figured out we were ready to go we were about to pick our our uh, actually we had just checked in for the flight and we were about to pick up our kids from school and go to the lab for our covid tests And the government issued a a travel advisory for all international travel. Now, you might think, well, why didn't you go anyway? And I'll tell you why. There's a couple of reasons. When you travel against a travel advisory, your health insurance... Could be rendered null and void. Oh. And the, uh, and if you're traveling against uh, a, a, uh, a health travel advisory and you get the disease that they are advising you to not travel because of, the travel insurance company has every right to just say, oh, we're not covering that, you knew the risks. You were told by your government not to go. Now, we also had additional insurance that would cover two weeks of hotel and all of that if one of us did get a uh, test positive for COVID and we had to stay for an extra few weeks. And um, that would have been null and void, too. Oh. That one was guaranteed to be null and void, by the way. Wow. Uh, so, we decided. Nope, this is not worth the risk. And uh, and the other, the other thing that could happen is is because there's a travel advisory, the government can close the borders at any time, and they are not obligated to let you return.
0: Now, I did not know that.
1: Yeah. So we decided when they when when the. Uh, when the minister was on TV giving this travel advisory and they said, you are risking being stuck abroad. He wasn't, he wasn't lying. Like that's, if they close the borders, you can't get home and they can do it without notice. So normally if they close the borders, they would give like, say a three to five day notice. We are closing the borders on this date. Get home now. But with a travel advisory, they can just say, we are closing the borders effective immediately. And you're screwed. Wow. So we decided to just cancel everything. That meant calling WestJet. It meant calling uh, our... You know, getting refunds for our travel insurance, for our hotel, for our car rental, for Disneyland, for Universal Studios, for uh, a medieval dinner that we had that we had uh, booked. Now, Disneyland and Universal Studios have a no refund policy. Great. So be aware of that when you book a, f- a trip. And uh, Universal Studios was really good because, you know, we explained the situation and they said, hey, no problem, we'll give you a, uh, we'll give you a refund. And so they, they did. Disneyland on the other hand is not the happiest place on earth. <laughs> and we ended up on the phone with them for two hours. Wow. And by the by the time it was all said and done they said the, the the woman on the other end said well i will try to do something for you but no guarantees and if i am successful i'll call you back tonight that was where we got in 2 hours
0: and that was wow. with
1: that was with the 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 like the supervisor in charge uh, on that day holy uh, Luckily, 10 minutes later, she called back and said, I was able to get you a refund.
0: So, awesome.
1: yeah, hats off to them all. I mean, I'm, this is a very difficult time and a very difficult situation, especially when things change on the fly like this. Um, I am not impressed with Disney. I am very impressed with Kim, who was the Disney uh, supervisor that, that went to bat for us, um, but definitely not impressed with Disney over all this. Uh, very impressed with Universal and everybody else involved, including our travel insurance company that gave us a full refund because we didn't go. Um, so hats off to to them all, except except Disney. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, so that's the story and that's why I'm here. And we, we ended up making alternative plans and we, we ended up going to Banff for our four days and uh, we got back yesterday. So um, our kids uh, were disappointed, but had a great time in Banff anyway. And, uh, and they, uh, they, were, they were actually quite happy with the trip we took. So Well, that's
0: good. Now, Canada for perspective, Lewis was texting me as as the news was coming out, and I remember one of your texts that said, "Okay, well, we check in for our flights four minutes from now," and you we were waiting for the the announcement to come out from the government. And well, we now know how that story ended.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, there was, there were several other texts I sent you that were full of expletives that I could not <laughs> share on this show, but yeah. So, now let's, let's talk a little bit about why the whole world is shutting down. Yes. Because for the life of me, I can't figure out why.
0: And I can't get that either because I, uh, this is where it really ticks me off when I hear people tell me, oh, we just follow the science. So, okay, fine. I followed the science on Omicron, which is why we're shutting the whole world down. And the science from Omicron in South Africa, where this was discovered, says that, well, it's really no more dangerous than a, a mild cold or a, you know a common cold. And in South Africa, uh, nobody had died. There was very few hospitalizations. Most people had mild to no symptoms. So that tells me, well, the science is pretty sound. We're we're okay. But apparently that's not the right science.
1: No, because and here's where I'm starting to call shenanigans on the whole thing because in South Africa where they've had a, a very serious spike in COVID cases since Omicron have had a I mean, an extremely high number of hospitalizations. Oh wait, no, they haven't. Um, they've had like one point nine percent hospitalizations, as compared to nineteen percent with Delta.
0: Yeah, yeah. To me, this that says the science is pretty solid. That hey, we're going to be okay.
1: Yeah, this is, in fact, in fact, all the data that is available from other countries, not Canada or the U.S. or even England, but other countries, you know, the ones that tell the truth, um, is that this is an upper respiratory illness now, Omicron, which is basically the same as a seasonal cold and not even a bad cold, a mild cold. And people who have had Omicron are showing extremely high resistance to the other strains or the other variants. Yeah, which so, should
0: tell us that uh, you said it, I think I was our last show or the show before, that should mean we're at the beginning of the end.
1: Yeah this if if all the data holds up and i mean we're a month into omicron at least because that's only when it was announced but there was a whole i believe a uh, three to four weeks prior to that where they were dealing with omicron in south africa without um before they knew what it was that they were dealing with they, 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 before they knew it was a different variant and if, if this data holds up, and it should, because like I said, we're, we're almost two months in with it, um, this sounds like the strain that you want to get so that you get immunity to the disease as a whole.
0: Absolutely, it is. And I, uh, on a Facebook... Not, calls- I, by
1: the way, I'm not advising that people go out and have COVID parties or anything, because <laughs> you might be getting Delta. Um <laughs> But it sounds like if you're going to get COVID, this is the one you want.
0: Yeah, well, if, um, on a Facebook post, one of our, or maybe it was on a show, um, the show, the talk show host, at any anyway, rate, had three friends that, that caught Omicron. One had a headache for two days. Another had a case of essentially morning sniffles. The third showed no, no symptoms whatsoever. So I'm thinking, hey, we're, uh, we're probably going to handle this one Okay.
1: Yeah, and if this is the case, if this is the dominant strain, if this becomes what they're, they're guessing, whenever they say that Omicron is now taken over as a dominant strain, nobody knows that because it takes six to eight days of lab work before they can confirm whether something is Omicron or not. So when they're saying that Omicron has taken over, they're, this, it is purely a guess I may be an educated guess, but still a guess. And like we... they like I mean when they, when Delta happened, I mean do you remember what they said? They just they're just point on that they're all Delta. I mean Yeah. Omicron too. So if okay. that's the case, if Omicron becomes the extreme and some places are saying it already is, then we are very, very close to this
0: being the end. Oh, but they don't want you to think that, Lewis. That's why Quebec is talking about curfews again. Ontario was enforcing more restrictions, cutting back capacity limits on public venues. And all across the country, they're saying, fear, run, hide, it's Omicron. one that won't get you sick.
1: Yeah, well I mean it's because they gotta maintain their power and their control and I mean that's that's all it is. And I mean they keep going on and on about get your booster shot, it'll help. Boost the boosters show you know that they're very effective against Omicron. Yeah, you know what? That's a pile of crap because Great Britain is fifty-two percent boosted and they've got the highest case counts of omicron since the beginning of the entire crisis oh my but guess what their hospitalizations are down
0: yeah well and that's uh, something we're seeing here as well that our hospitalizations are down and but this exactly what you said i mean the government is jumping up and down saying go get your boosters and in ontario and here in saskatchewan and probably elsewhere They've said, "Oh, yep," and now we're going to uh, reduce the 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 wait for from six months to three months. Anybody over eighteen can come get your boosters. Sign up. And Scott old Premier of Saskatchewan, just posted on his Facebook today. I went out and got my third shot. Good for you, Scott. Um, yeah, I mean, hope oh, you I- don't have a stroke in two weeks. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, what works even better than getting a booster shot? doing nothing because your natural immunity is going to beat a head cold.
1: Ugh. Yeah. No, this is it's crazy. Like, I, I'm telling you right now, like, I'm double vaxxed. I will not be taking a third shot. I will not. I know too many people with adverse side effects, two of two of which are going to be affected for the rest of their lives. Um, and another one that could be who had myocarditis who has myocarditis which, and as we are finding out, has led to having to get heart transplants by some people. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not risking that, not for a head cold.
0: Yeah, no kidding. One, well, there's a gentleman that I worked with who was 20 years old. He had myocarditis from getting his, uh, his second shot. I think it was. He spent a week in the hospital. So I, uh, I didn't yeah. know that he could possibly be in further trouble down the road.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, no the, the myocarditis could lead to years of medical care and um and it, and there's already been a couple that have had to had have heart have heart transplants one of which was a 19-year-old woman who ended up dying after the the heart transplant because the her body rejected it. Wow. Yeah, that one was in the US. I mean, this is The the other side effects are very real, and they don't tell you about them at all. In fact, you're a conspiracy theorist if you bring it up.
0: Oh, yeah. And, uh, well, you and I both have been um, been based quite hard, even for just talking about such silly things as the uh, monoclonal antibodies or perhaps ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, any kind of just alternative therapeutic,
1: well, we're suddenly insane. Yeah, and if you listen, and if you listen to any of the doctors in the U.S., they all say that monoclonal antibodies are the treatment. And that, that is not a conspiracy theory or even an alternative method of treatment. Like, they're acting like it's some kind of, um, uh, you know...
0: Oh, it's a witch doctor.
1: Yeah, like a witch doctor or whatever to use monoclonal antibodies. Monoclonal antibodies are used to treat cancer and other like dangerous diseases, because what they do is they boost your immune system and they, but, and, and they have great success with them. That's why the U S has higher uh, success rates with curing cancer in patients as compared to Canada. It's why they are, uh, you know, why Florida has actually done a very, very good job of mitigating uh, uh, their, um, their deaths from COVID because they're using monoclonal antibodies there. And because people stopped getting the shots because monoclonal antibodies are so effective, the federal government under Joe Biden decided to limit the availability of monoclonal Florida so that people would get their shots.
0: Yeah, that was really amazing, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Is it disgusting? Like, I like that's murder.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they're upset because Florida decided to choose freedom. And uh, I love Florida. I wish we had Ron DeSantis here. And they succeeded. They actually said, no, nope, we're going to live our lives. We're going to protect those who need protecting. And we're going to explore any... Proven treatment
1: available. well What do you know? Yeah. Well, if you look at if you look at the COVID death rates uh, in Florida and in uh, say Sweden, where they did the same thing, they didn't do any lockdowns. They didn't, you know, they they uh, they let people live their lives and they protected those that needed protecting. And, they're like middle of the pack places like california where they went complete lockdown for a year and a half have higher death rates and they have a younger population and higher vaccine uh, or higher vaccination rates
0: yeah see the funny thing in california is if it's two counties side by side orange county and la county they go, they border each other and la county did the hard lockdown they did the mask mandate they you know did all the all the following the science orange county said no no we're, we're dumping the mask mandate we're not doing that and Orange County, they're, they locked down less. They still locked down, not as much. And for some reason, Orange County is doing way better than L.A. County. Next. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's crazy. I mean, what, what's happening right now is, is not following the science. It, it's, it's, this is all about power. And that's all it is. It's about power and control.
0: Yep, totally is. Yep. All right. So, on um, speaking of control, let's move on to, to Quebec for a minute. And I won't touch on this for very long, but Bill 21, which, as anybody who listens to the show or even watches the news in general, knows, is the bill called discriminatory by Chachi Curl and Mercedes Stevens in the uh, leaders' debate on federal election. It's the banning of religious symbols for public employees just came to the, the light in the news because it was a teacher in Chelsea, Quebec, which is just across the border from Ottawa. She was, I guess she was, she was, fired not she was just sort of shifted to a different job within the school she was working at. Don't teach her anymore because she dared to wear a hijab. Now, this should be something that, I don't know, maybe Aaron O'Toole should take on or somebody in... So, you know, Quebec provincial politics, but instead, Canadian cities. I decided they're going to support the Supreme Court challenge of Bill Twenty One. Louis, what's wrong with that picture?
1: Yeah, the 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 Party of Freedom is not fighting for freedom. Yeah, <laughs> like I have you ever looked at the difference between the French and the English versions of the election platform for the Conservatives? I haven't actually. Well, the French platform is not the same as the English platform. The French platform uh, kind of encourages Quebecers to just go along with Bill C twenty one. Or sorry, oh, not or not C, Is it C twenty one? No, not C twenty one. Bill twenty one. Yeah. Or Bill twenty one. Uh, it, it, It basically encourages Quebecers to go along with Bill 21. And in the English platform, there's no mention of Bill 21 at all.
0: No, and then when Aaron O'Toole has been questioned about it since then, he just says, oh, you know, Quebec should take care of what, you know their own things and we shouldn't be involved in Quebec's business, which is essentially exactly what, what Red Trudeau has, has said. is the same as what Blue Trudeau was saying. So it's, uh, it's sad there's no leadership from Ottawa on this issue. And I don't even know who the official opposition is in Quebec. Is it the party Quebecois? I think so. Okay, because they're they're silent on it as well. And I actually heard. Yes, they are. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, Dino Colovecchio, who is uh, a talk show host in Quebec, and he's on the Roy Green show quite often, which is why I know who he is. He actually uh, completely unapologetically supported Bill 21. He had an interview with Roy Green where he laid out his case for it. And. I give him full credit for doing so. I don't agree with him, but yeah, he said it's very popular in Quebec, and, and that we should just her off. Yeah,
1: I mean, honestly, it's it might be provincial jurisdiction. I don't know, but this is something that is wrong. I mean, it it, it doesn't just it doesn't target. Let's, let's be real here. This is not targeting Muslims. No. It's affecting everyone. So a Christian who wears a cross on the outside of their sweater is not allowed to do so if they work for the provincial government. That's um, right. But it's... This is wrong. It's just wrong. I mean, the only people that would ever discriminate against someone for for wanting freedom are you know left wingers I mean they they swear that they're inclusive and diverse but they don't include or are have a diverse in opinion or in beliefs you're not allowed to.
0: That's true. You got to be the hive mind, like the Borg and Star Trek.
1: Yeah, and the left wing in this kind anti-religious. And I'm a I, I'm I'm a right winger. I'm a conservative, uh, but I'm also a libertarian. In that, I don't believe government should have any place at all in deciding, you know, what I believe in or what I wear or anything like that. that, that that's
0: None of the government's business. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's not the government's business. And I don't think the government should be legislating. I mean, I guess they're not trying to legislate who you pray to or who you worship with or whatever. I get that. But I don't, I guess I don't see how it hurts you, for example, if I were a turban to work, if I'm a Sikh. For example, I don't know how that harms anybody. And I don't know if that's what Bill 21 is trying to suggest, but it's, uh, I know Dean Polovecchio just said, oh, it's because we're a secular society. Well, Canada by and large is a secular society, and most of us don't mind if we see a Sikh wearing a turban or a Muslim wearing a hijab, as an example.
1: No, the only thing I have, I take issue with is when you see uh, Muslim women being covered head to toe
0: that bothers me yep I'll, that I'm with bothers
1: you. me a lot because that is forced on them they do not have a choice in the matter and i and i don't we don't we don't really have much in the way of of muslims in uh where i live i mean there are some but none that are following sharia law uh that i've seen but i have been to toronto and i've seen women in complete head-to-toe um uh oh geez what are they called burkas. burkas head-to-toe burkas while their husband is wearing a pair of shorts and a tank top <laughs> and if you don't think that she would rather be wearing you know uh, a shirt and shorts then you're nuts because it was like 35 degrees outside. I mean, it's, it's crazy that anyone on the left, can, like because the people who defend this are on the left and they're also the ones that kind of, you know, so just people. so I don't know. They can't get their story straight on the left.
0: Yeah, that is absolutely true. So we've got now the mayor of Brampton, Patrick Brown, who spearheaded this initiative. I believe he's he's already pledged $100,000 of Brampton taxpayer money. Calgary Mayor Jody Dondek has not come up with the money yet, but she has pledged her city's support. And Winnipeg and several other cities have also gotten on board. And I just... I appreciate their efforts. I applaud that they they want to do something, but I just don't think it's their place.
1: No, absolutely not and I and that infuriates me that they're using taxpayer dollars to fight a court case over something that isn't even in their province.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: And it doesn't even affect them. Those cities need to uh you know stay in their lane.
0: That, exactly, yes.
1: That's it. That They can voice support all they want, but that taxpayer dollars, that is for their town, for their city. That's BS. That angers me. That makes me really angry.
0: Yeah, well, uh, if you think that makes you angry, Lewis, let's talk about some of the cabinet mandate letters. <laughs> that, um, they came out the very last day that the Parliament sat before it rose for the Christmas break. Of course they did. Of course they did. And now remember in August Justin Trudeau said this was the most important election in Canada since World War II. So he should have had his cabinet ready to go by end of September because Stephen Harper took only 10 days to get his cabinet together his last, last election that he won in 2011. So Really, these mandate letters should have been in the hands of cabinet ministers in early October. But instead, it was mid-December, just before they take off for the Christmas break, and Canada, I know self-praise stinks, and I know that we blow our own horns a lot on this show, but I took one for the team. I read through almost every one of these mandate letters this past weekend, and I'm telling you that if there's anything that's a, a cure for insomnia, those mandate letters for in. So I'm going to break down a few of them for you here. Every single one of these letters has the same five paragraphs to start the body saying, I'm pleased to have you in the cabinet, and you must. Accelerate our work on climate change. You must accelerate our work on reconciliation, implement UNDRIP, and you must con- consult with uh, in- oh, inclusion and diversion, diversity, and on all actions, consult. And you're going to love this, Canada. Listen up. come not insult, <laughs> consult Black, Indigenous, people of color. Women, newcomers, persons with disabilities, and faith groups in all, all your policy measures. I know what you didn't hear was healthy white males who were born in Canada. And when they say they're to include faith groups, I'm going to guess they don't mean the Mennonite church in my community. So just, just guess. So, that all being said, when you consult everybody but a small segment of the population, let's start with, well, let me start with Christopher Freeland, because she's always one lot of Now, I should say there were some good things in some of these mandate letters that I actually support. Um, and Stephen Gilboa has actually got a couple of his letter as, uh, as the firing minister that I'm actually all for, and I'll get to those. But Christopher Freeland... Raise taxes on banks and insurance companies that earn more than $1 billion and require them to pay a temporary Canada recovery dividend. Minimum 15% tax for top bracket earners. And here's the one I actually don't mind so much with hers. Border carbon adjustment, which is a tariff on imports from countries that don't have a carbon tax on products that are subject to carbon taxes here. A ton of levels of playing fuel for Canadian producers. But I like this idea of taxing banks and insurance companies because well, people tend to invest in
1: them. Uh, I mean all those taxes just get passed down to the consumers. I mean, yeah, I mean, there is only one taxpayer, it's, and because, I mean, as much as people want to say, oh, raise taxes on corporations, corporations don't pay tax. You pay the tax and they pass it on. Right. It's, it's like, it doesn't matter how much income tax you think uh, a corporation is paying. paying it they just raise their prices so that they can bring more revenue in so that they can pay those tax bills so I mean this is all this is gonna do all this is going to accomplish is make life more expensive
0: oh yes (laughs) there's more now, I don't know if this is in addition to the current raises we're getting in Canada pension plan premiums or if this is on top of, but it's in your mandate letter a 25% increase on Canada pension plan premiums to, well,
1: you I, know, the taxpayer. 25%? 25%. That's so, outrageous.
0: Yeah, so I don't know if that's on top of what they have already been planning over the next, I think it was a five-year plan. So, at
1: any rate, that's obscene, because we already paid quite a bit. Wow, that's crazy. Yep.
0: And, well, there's more, of course. We're going to take one little bite out of the Ministry for National Revenue, because I was quite... Upset that part of his mandate is to instruct Canada Revenue Agency, quote, to improve its capacity to monitor real
1: estate transactions. I mean, that's, I mean, we've known this is coming for a while, right? I mean, for what, three years now, we've had to report whether or not we sold our house on our uh, income tax return at the end of the year. That's right. So, and all along, we've been saying they're going to tax our house uh, sales, they're going to tax the sale of our house, and, and the left and the liberals have been saying, you're a conspiracy theorist, that's not going to happen, that's not in the plans. Well, guess why? If you sell a house that you have owned for less than 12 months, you will have to pay Capital
0: gains. Yep, that's the flipping tax they're talking about. And yep. you brought up probably better part of a year ago on the show that they're going to be taxing the capital gains on the sale of your primary residence, no matter how, you know, whether you've owned it for 20 years or three years. And that's why they were asking you to put that on your t- income tax return. And that is exactly what I read when I read that, that mandate letter.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that is the beginning of um of taxing all house sales. They're gonna start with the flipping because that people are like, yeah, that's why our housing is so expensive, because people are flipping. So get those guys, get those rich bastards. And it eventually just trickles down to getting everybody and I mean, this, and I mean, that's happened time and time again. This isn't like the first time this has happened. They always do that. They go after one thing and then they go after the next and they go after the next until they're going after everything. And I mean, they, they, they've done that with firearms. I mean, they, you know, they, first it was like fully automatic weapons. Then it was handguns. Then it's semi-automatics. Then it's, you know, whatever. Then now it's after guns that just look scary. I mean, it's, it's uh it's crazy, absolutely crazy that anybody would even support this because it's going to trickle down it's going to come it's going to get to the point where it's going to come after you for everything and I mean and there's other stuff in there in the housing um uh mandate letter that is going after uh, landlords and that, and it's like you're eventually going to push landlords right out they're not gonna want to rent out houses they're and, and that is not gonna make housing cheaper, it's going to make it more expensive because people aren't going to be providing rentals anymore. They're they're just going to uh, uh, hold on to them. Uh, they're, they're going to sell them. And and that doesn't mean that people who are going to rent are going to buy them because they can't afford to buy in the first place. That's why they're renting. So it's not going to have the desired effect. It's going to have the opposite.
0: It is. And uh, in the Minister of Housing uh, mandate letter, it even suggests that And I love the way they word these things because it talks about if a landlord is to renovate a property, they're they're going to monitor how much the landlord increases the rent to make certain that they don't increase the rent excessively. Who defines excessively? And number two, what the hell is it if you as a landlord renovate, bathroom for seven thousand dollars so you increase the rent by a hundred dollars a month let's just say so that in six years you recoup the cost of of that bathroom rental. well in that six years you're also going to end up replacing appliances you might do the floor in another section of the house so who's who's to say that hundred dollars is excessive or that you know you could have charged 150 or whatever It's, it's none of their goddamn business it's all a free market for a reason because The market will decide.
1: Yeah, and for the last two years, as a landlord, I have not been allowed to raise the rent on my tenant. Even though my property taxes have gone up, my electricity has gone up, my gas has gone up, all those things have gone up, but I'm not allowed to raise the rent. I'm just damn lucky that my uh, tenant decided to keep paying his rent. I know someone who lost their house. Because their tenant stopped paying rent because the government said they didn't have to during COVID and they could not evict because of it either. Oh my gosh. And the tenant had never lost their job during the whole thing. Oh Jesus. I mean, this is government has way too much control. And I get told that I'm crazy for thinking this all the time. And it's like, no. Government has way too much control. They have their fingers in too many things. And they screw everything up that they touch. Everything from healthcare to policing to the military to, uh, to housing to uh, student loans to everything. They screw up everything. Oh, yes, they
0: do. <laughs> well, since you brought that up, let's see where else they screwed up. Now, I'm going to stress natural resources minister's mandate letter actually says nothing about developing Canada's natural resources. Nothing. It does talk about old growth forest protection plans working with the Ministry of Environment. It does say he needs to make Canada, quote, a battery superpower in making and recycling batteries. And that he needs to uh, implement a five thousand dollar grant to retrofit homes. Now, let me stop right there, Canada. This summer, I got two bedroom windows, a front door, and a storm door that cost three thousand bucks. In fact, it was a little over three thousand. So, five thousand dollar grant to retrofit my home. What's that going to do? Squat.
1: Yeah, the, it's funny because he mentions the manufacture of batteries, but, you know, rare earth metals are pretty much, uh, cornered by China. Yep. Um, we have some, you know, nickel and, you know, or we have nickel mines here, which is, which is the, the main ingredient needed to make, uh, lithium ion batteries uh it's like 90 i believe it's 90 percent of the battery is nickel so we have that but that requires mining like open pit mines giant open pit mines and but the but they're against those things they don't want those things but they're required to do the things they want to do and it's it's absolutely asinine that the mandate letter had nothing to, nothing to say about oil and gas, nothing, had nothing to say about lumber. I mean, uh, just protecting old growth forests. Well, okay. I understand that, but do they understand that trees have a lifespan that, they will have to be cut down at some point because they do die. They die from old age. Like trees don't, don't continue to live for eternity and, and an old growth forest. What, what is that? Is that 500 years old? Is that 5,000 years old? Because if it's 500 years old, which to most people would be an old growth forest, that, that pretty much covers the whole province. Like these forests that you see, they're over five hundred years old.
0: So, yeah, what, uh, so, so I don't
1: know I, I, I don't know how they define an old growth forest. Is it just the giant cedars that you see on the coast or in uh, or on the island? Like I mean, I, I don't I don't know how they define that. Yeah, and yeah. Course, and knowing and knowing that Trudeau and the liberals. They will not have a definition for that until their sixth term. Because because they they don't define anything. They never have. They they leave it up to other people to figure out.
0: No, that's right. And of course they have no definition in here. And in the environment minister's mandate letter, the one thing I actually like and and, in well there's two things I like to give mandate. But the one thing I really liked, and I thought it was so hypocritical for our Quebec law prime minister to give this mandate to a Quebec law environment minister and that develop a freshwater action plan to protect large lakes and river systems. I said, oh, like to St. Lawrence, where Quebec is dumping raw sewage, would that be part of
1: this plan? Yeah, and I mean, it's it's interesting because we already have one um we already have a rivers and lakes protection uh, uh plan I mean it's there already just enforce it yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: It,
1: it it is is typical liberals eh I mean let's just do what's already like, like let let's let's implement programs that are already there and uh we won't enforce them either yeah that's that's, that's actually, that's it in a nutshell, right there. The only thing that they that they ever do is crack down on firearm owners. That's it. Everything else, they don't, they, they just, they're, it's complete inaction.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, here's one thing we know they will follow through with based on what they did with the Canada Summer Jobs Plan a couple of years ago. And this was in the mandate letter for the Minister of uh women and gender equity or whatever. I think that's what it's called or something gender equality maybe. Yeah. Anyway, I had to screenshot this one to you because I couldn't really believe it when I read it. But, I'm just going to read the quote for you, Canada. Now, part of the mandate for this Minister for Women and Gender Equality is to support the Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister in introducing amendments to the Income Tax Act to make enough Canada to make anti-abortion organizations that provide dishonest counseling to pregnant women about their rights and options ineligible for charitable status. Where do you want to start on what's wrong with that, Lewis? <laughs>
1: well, first of all, who determines what is misinformation?
0: Yeah, what well, like yeah am I am I being dishonest by reading that? Because it was a direct quote, but
1: how about how about you know Organizations that that counsel women on abortions. I mean, they they give all kinds of false information too, from what I've seen. I mean, it's it's not a one sided thing here. I've seen false information on both sides, but it's like it, it it it's as if the liberals have decided that the number one option for women who uh, are uh, get uh, pregnant accidentally is an abortion that is they that's what they want they want the first choice to be an abortion well it seems that way doesn't it yeah and and I mean there's there's a lineup of people in this country looking to adopt babies I mean it's well, well, they're, they're, the waiting list is huge so I mean it's not like you know i mean and this is this is something that i have a hard time with because you know i'm not religious i in fact I, i'm i'm an atheist i i don't i don't believe in a god i don't have a a religious bone in my body and i i am a, i am not how do i say this it's like i from my personal life i'm pro life I, I could never in my life ask my wife to have an abortion. I could never have done that. Um, because it's just, to me, it's, no matter how you look at it, no matter how you look at it, an abortion is snuffing out a life. That, that was a life. It was It was going to be a person. No matter what you can't, you can't argue that that is a fact. And I just could never, ever bring myself to do that. I could never ask my wife to do that. And my wife feels exactly the same way in our personal lives. We are pro-life. I, I don't think it's my place to say whether or not someone else can do that or not. But at the same time, they got to live with it. I mean, that they got to be told. You know, you're taking a life here, and and it's and you're gonna have to live with that. Yeah, no, that, that's right. I mean, and I agree with you on that that sentiment.
0: I mean, that's uh, well, to me, it's quite an indisputable fact as well. And I just think it's really weird that a government would fall down on on either side of what's been one of the most contentious issues in this country in the last four decades. Yeah. No, it's very sad. So uh, Canada, I know we're getting a little close on our time here, but uh we're gonna go over for the sake of well, there's a lot to go through here. So I want to just touch on uh, briefly a couple things for the foreign affairs minister mainly usually and then maybe we'll wrap it up there because we're at the at least we'll stay under an hour. Um yeah. Now, one thing I like in her mandate letter is that he's asked for for her to develop an Indo-Pacific strategy. Great, because that's where there's gonna be the most action in the the near future. I don't understand his, his mandate to implement and promote a feminist foreign policy, champion LGBT rights, inclusion, gender equity, and get this Canada, Promotion of the French language in all diplomatic missions. I don't know if that's really that important. And I don't really understand what a feminist foreign policy is. I'm not against that necessarily, but I just don't understand.
1: Um I don't understand anything that you just said. <laughs> I mean a, a feminist foreign policy. What the hell does that even uh, really? Champion LGBTQ two A B C D E F G rights. Uh, okay, I mean, I I understand it, in, like countries that are still stuck in the seventh century, but um, I mean, is that really top of our priority list? I mean, I I didn't. I don't hear anything in there about China. The word China did not show up once in her memory. China? China? Okay, if you want to know who the world's superpower is right now, it's China. It's not the U.S. It's China. Oh, it definitely is. And we know that because they're basically annexing countries right now. And nobody, nobody is standing up for those countries. They are, they just basically rigged Hong Kong's election, and they're annexing uh, uh, Hong Kong against their will, and not even the United States is standing up to protect them. Nobody is standing up to defend Hong Kong. Nobody. And our own prime minister in his year-end interview uh, with Rosemary Barton wouldn't even go as far as to say... That the Chinese are are, are are guilty of a genocide against the uh, Uyghur Muslims, and he his excuse was genocide is a loaded word, but he was really quick to say to, to to accuse Canada of genocide, but he won't he won't say anything about China. China is the world's dominant superpower now, people. Get used to it.
0: Yeah, and you know it was. Uh, he did an interview with Evan Solomon as well. We probably had most of the same questions. And again, yeah, he he just danced around the China issue. For every question that Evan Solomon asked him, he he would never nailed it down. And yeah, he would refuse to talk about about genocide at all when it came to China. And I wish Evan Solomon had asked him about Huawei because still he won't say no to Huawei, even though everybody and their dog are saying okay it's time to get Huawei out of here and yeah yeah, just I don't get what China has on him but yet the word China did not show up even once in Melanie Jolie's mandate letter even the, the United States was only mentioned once but he did at least say that United you know United States was our strongest ally so
1: there's that I guess yeah well and and you know in his uh interview with Evan Solomon the first, it was a, like three parts, right? Like yeah. in between commercials, there was three parts. The first part, he answered every question like I would expect a conservative to answer them. And I was I was like, damn, I can't argue with that answer. Damn, I can't argue with that answer. Damn, I agree with that answer. And then part two and part three, nope, oh, there he goes back to being, you know, dumbass Trudeau again and answering everything without answering any questions and just dancing around them and not giving any information.
0: But unfortunately, the one answer he did give, enthusiastically, was when Evan Solomon said, will you run again?
1: And he emphatically said yes. He did. Sigh. Yeah, so get used to it, Canada. We're going to have Trudeau as Prime Minister for the rest of our lives. Because... Canadians are stupid enough to keep voting for him.
0: And that right there is a good way to end the show because you're absolutely right. And that is depressing as hell. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, Canada. Yes, we did go a little longer than our usual 45 minutes, but I feel like we had to. Um, stay tuned. We might not get a show in next week, but we will be back after that to do our year in review and our predictions for 2022. So until then, thank you for joining us. It is Tony in Saskatchewan.
1: And Lewis in BC. Good night. Good night. Canada. Good night.
0: Tony